This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 83, Comic Reviews for the week of May 29th. Welcome once again to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 83. It's the Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, May 29th episode. Uh, thanks for joining us. This is uh, Adam Chapman, your host. And uh, not a lot of comics come out this past Wednesday relative to other weeks. Uh, I guess the primary reason for this is because this was a, a fifth week. Uh, we had five Wednesdays in the month. Um, for me, it meant I had you know, an extra paycheck because of the way my... My pay went, so uh, there was a lot of annuals, so thank God I had the extra paycheck this month, because uh, a lot of annuals came out from D.C. Um, before I jump into the episode, I just wanted to uh, thank uh, some people who had written uh, in the HC Realms thread for uh, the last reviews episode. Uh, there was some great feedback, and I really appreciate that from those who posted there. Um, uh, I guess there was also some dissenting agreement, or dissenting opinions, sorry, about some of the uh, things that we reviewed in the last episode. And you know what? Uh, keep it coming. I like the feedback. I like interacting with those who are actually listening to the show. Um, you know, and I, like, uh, one particular person I believe was Agent Butters, I apologize if I'm getting it wrong, um, had mentioned uh, that he was, yeah, it was, it was Agent Butters, uh, had made a comment about um, disagreeing with my stance on uh, both uh, FF and Red Lanterns. So I do. A little bit in the future, I'll be going through the history of uh, Jeff Johns on Green Lantern and his his kind of tenure and what had happened into the Green Lantern uh, franchise while while he was on the main Green Lantern book and uh, in particular the Red Lantern book that's been running for the last twenty issues. Um, because I and I, I've stated this in a post as well, but I hadn't actually read a lot of Red Lanterns when the book first started, uh, mainly because I just didn't really care, and I was starting to feel myself falling out of love with the Green Lantern franchise. Then when I started doing the podcast, I started reading more of the issues, and so um, I didn't mind it from where, I again, it was easier for me, because I feel like I'd, I'd missed a lot, so maybe I'd missed the most egregious things that he'd done with the book and I just kind of jumped on and liked some of the things I saw but maybe I wasn't reading it deep enough so I look forward to going back and reading the actual entire run and seeing if maybe I can uh, maybe I'll feel differently once I've first of all read the entire thing and have done more of a deep reading and then maybe I'll feel more like Age of Butter does Age of Butters does uh, because his feelings were that Milligan kind of I guess missed the point and that uh, the writing wasn't that great and there was a lot of inconsistencies and Atrocitus was kind of ruined as a character under Milligan's watch. So I actually do look forward to going back and uh, maybe my stance will change and you know what, I'm open to it. Um, <laughs> maybe upon further reading, sometimes this happens. I mean, even the books I review every week, I mean, I read them and I put down a rating and then I do the podcast, I'll flip through them and I'll be like, you know what, I was wrong. Or, you know what, maybe I, maybe I was too hard on this book or maybe I gave it too easy a pass. Um, so I, I am interested to to uh, take another look at it. Uh, also with FF, I get it's kind of quirky and fun and, and different. And I know that Alred is different than most other things you'll see at Marvel. And that is both a good and bad thing depending on how you feel about his art. I don't know. And I, I have less of a problem with his art than I do the story. I just feel like it needs to have a little bit more of a purpose. It's got this weird zany Silver Age thing, and that's kind of fun, some issues. And I think if you go back, and it's harder to do, and this is actually another comment that Age of Butters had made, but um, just the idea that if you go back, I think I have kind of flip-flopped each issue, each every other issue it feels like, where I'll like it one time and be like, nah, I don't really like the next issue. Um, and it's just, I'm maybe I'm inconsistent. Maybe it's not even the book's fault. Maybe... I read it one one day and I have a certain mindset and I'm like, well, this just doesn't work for me today. And then the next day I read it, 
I'm like, oh, well, this is pretty good because now I'm receptive to it. I mean, that's part of it, obviously. I mean, do, when you when you rate anything or you're doing reviews of anything, sometimes your opinions will change with your mood. I mean, sometimes you'll be in a shitty mood, and if you're reading a comic book, it might reflect that. Uh, or you'll be in a great mood, and you'll be like, oh, this is too serious a comic because I'm in a fun, happy mood. I want to read FF now. So it could be one of the two things. Um, now, speaking of Age of Butters, which I've done a lot of already... Um, so one thing I'm going to try and keep doing in the future, and it was a really good comment and suggestion that was made, is that I'll try in the future that uh, with the episode, usually in the description I list all the ep- all the issues that I'm actually reviewing that week, uh, I'll try to remember to include ratings for each issue uh, on that page. It might I might end up having to maybe put e- put a different issue in each line just so it's easier to read instead of it all kind of melding together like it does now. It's easier to do now because I just have the issue numbers, but if I have a rating as well, I might want to actually space it. So it might just take up a lot more room when you're looking at the at the post. I don't know where people are checking it out. Usually, I think they're downloading the uh onto like a, a device etc so you may not have access to even seeing that list sometimes but if you go to the actual um uh podbean page which is comic shenanigans.podbean.com then you would actually get to see the full listing of what the reviews were anyways it's a good idea i should have done it in the past one thing i just don't have the uh i guess the uh not the timing i just I find I often do the episodes and I try to get about and I've been late a lot recently. One thing I would like to do in the future is actually do a tag so if someone wanted to know about a particular issue, they could just you know flip to a certain time because I would have a timestamp basically in the post. I don't think that's going to be happening anytime soon just because uh, I've been really busy and it's hard to even sometimes just get the, the podcast out on time, let alone kind of go back through it and figure out exactly when I talked about particular issues. But for the most part, when I do list the, all the issues, it is in the order that I discuss them on the show. So that's at least a little but helpful but anyways thanks to uh, age of butters and uh maybe at some point i'm hoping that maybe we can get him on the show one time um and anyone else who's out there who's interested in maybe participating in a reviews episode i'd totally be up for that that'd be really interesting really fun to have someone else's perspectives as i said sometimes my other guests don't keep up as often on the daily uh or on the weekly with the comics so it's a little bit harder to have um reviews episodes with someone other than myself just because i don't really have someone who can be on top of as many books as I am but if someone ever wants to take part please let me know um comic shenanigans is on Skype uh we haven't actually done an episode with having recorded anything a feed from Skype yet but it's the first time for everything I'm hoping that will happen soon so uh if anyone is interested in ever taking part in an episode you know PM me on HC Realms or send an email to comic shenanigans at gmail.com I'm more than open i'm excited about being able to talk to someone about some of these new releases and see what they think and maybe i'll be swayed or maybe i'll be able to sway someone else but that's the fun of sharing opinions and reviews so anyways i have uh wasted a fair bit of your time thus far about almost seven minutes so let's jump into this week uh there was unfortunately a bunch of issues i didn't get a chance to read that i was planning on reading um in particular iron man 238.4 and uh, I think Captain America number seven and Adventures of Superman number one. So hopefully those will be ones that I hope I'll remember to come back in a future episode and discuss them because those are issues I just flat out didn't have the time. Uh, had a lot of things come up this week, uh, internet power outages, all sorts of things. So I do want to get to those at some point. It's not just like the sum of the books where I'm like, well, I don't really care about Catwoman, so I don't want to read Catwoman Annual? Probably not. It's not one of those situations. It's more like I wanted to read this, just did not get a chance, so I apologize. Uh, so first up, we've got Avenging Spider-Man number 21. Um, I really dug this. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I've said this before. Sometimes I almost enjoy 
Avenging Spider-Man more than Superior Spider-Man. Um, something about Chris Yost, his style, and I think part of it also is that he's not telling the the ongoing kind of continuity-heavy uh, Spider-Man book. He's able to have more fun with his book because he's not telling that you know he's not telling the, the main book where you're going to basically to see where the storyline of the Superior Spider-Man is really advancing. Any real changes in the status quo, any real developments with supporting cast members for the most part, that's not going to be an Avenging Spider-Man. At least up until this point, it doesn't feel like it has been. Um, now, I have really enjoyed this book since Superior Spider-Man kind of took over it, uh, and we had Chris Yost, because Chris Yost is, first of all, a great writer, very consistent tone, he's got a fun tone, um, he really gets the, how to write the character, plus before, now this is both a plus and a minus against Imagine Spider-Man, what was nice about it was that you were kind of, you know, it was basically Spider-Man team-up, and it superior, soon it's going to be Superior Spider-Man team-up. Uh, which further enforces what it basically always was, but it wasn't called. Um, and it was nice to kind of have these one-shot issues, and it kind of like A plus X, where you could just kind of pick up an issue, and you didn't have to worry about picking up every issue because it wasn't always connected, or you'd have like little mini arcs, or maybe an issue or two here, or three issues there, but it wasn't like ma- major arcs, and you could felt like you could just kind of drop in, drop out. Now, that's both good and bad, um, because the nature of a book like that, it makes it feel like you really don't have to pick up every issue, and... Um, sometimes with some of these books, I feel like they, if they want to really build an audience, they've got to make it feel like you have to read the book. And if it feels like, oh, I could just drop an issue, who cares? It's both good and bad. Um, from a business perspective, not as good, but so, somewhat good for you know some of the more casual readers. I mean, those who are collectors probably won't be able to let themselves do that. They'd be like, well, I bought issue one, I should buy issue two, and so on. It's the collector mentality that a lot of us are afflicted with. Um so I've been I've been digging this book a lot. I mean I've I've kind of walked around it and basically said all the reasons why. Um, this particular issue, uh, ton of fun. Now I apologize. There's gonna be a little bit of sound here. I'm just moving the microphone slightly. Yes, I could have done that with a pause, but you know what? I didn't. Um, we're doing everything on the fly here today. Um, so this was issue 21. I really like Marco Cicito on artwork. Uh, as I said, Chris Yost is fantastic. This was a fun issue because um, it's kind of. I, I like that at one point uh, Doc Ock even goes like, you know, this infernal Parker luck that keeps happening. But I like the sensibility of the story. You have uh, Spider-Man basically on the helicarrier. He had a plan to try and uh, get the chameleon out of um, where he was in captivity to make him pay, etc. And then these Russians come hunting for him because uh, chameleon has a lot of secrets. You have a battle in the helicarrier. You've got some of the Avengers there. You've got Hulk there. You have Spider-Man trying to do his own thing while also fighting the chameleon, which is really interesting. Um, yeah, and then there's a nice fake-out at the end. It's just really well done. The artwork, as I said, is great. I love that uh, Spider-Man is hunting down the you know his old crew, basically. I mean, he's got Electro, Sandman, and a chameleon all captured, which is awesome. Uh, I'm excited to see what next issue against the Punisher will be like. This was just a, a whole lot of fun. I gave it a 9 out of 10. If you haven't been reading Avenging Spider-Man, well, you know what? To be honest, I don't really blame you because I jumped up. I was not enjoying the book before it became superior. I, I think it had just hit a certain point where it didn't have a lot of consistency of tone. Now, granted, that's part of what's about the book, but I think, see, what I like about it now is that you have a consistent writer. 
and you have different types of adventures and different types of things are happening and each story is very different but you do have one writer and it kind of feels more consistent in its general tone although the particular stories are quite different from each other and I like that and again it's not feeling like it has to be the one pushing continuity forward it can just be this day this particular team up and it's fun I'm excited for when this book becomes Superior Spider-Man Team-Up. I'm going to continue buying it. I think this is a book that people should definitely put on their trade list. If they're waiting for trade, put this on your trade list. It's well worth it. It's a lot of fun. It's a good read. Uh, I gave it a 9 out of 10, and it was well-deserved. Next up is Batman The Dark Knight Annual, number one. I'm looking at my rating here, and I gave it a 7, and I'm like, why? Um, I'm actually going to have to make this more of like a 6. It's kind of cute, kind of... You know, its own thing, but um, basically you have a Mad Hatter, Scarecrow, and uh, the Penguin showing up at this this former Arkham facility uh, at night. Uh, I guess it's Halloween night. And um, you know, they, they all think that the others have basically uh, lured them there. So they, that's why they go there. Anyways, they have a pretty terrible night. Some messed up things happen. Uh, it's pretty scary for them, and then at the end of the night, they're like, you know, we'll never speak of this again. Well, okay, so the artwork by, is by Zaman Kudronsky. Uh, it's written by Greg Hurwitz. Um, it's not necessary at all, first of all. Sometimes annuals are important. They move some of the ideas of the story forward. I do like that we're kind of showing some of the villains who have been recently used. Uh, obviously, there's been recent Penguin and Mad Hatter and Scarecrow storyline, so it was kind of interesting to kind of have all three of those villains, the ones who are being um, kind of manipulated here, but it wasn't good. Um, uh, Batman, I don't know, I just don't understand. He, I just I just don't like this. <laughs> Sorry, I really like what Hurwitz has been doing for the most part. I just found this was just the idea that, you know, Batman's going to take a night off and he's not going to worry about things and he's going to get these three guys to basically be locked up in a house together. Um, I feel like there should be a reason why he set it up and not just to get them out of the way so he could take a night off. Uh, the artwork was very sketchy. It wasn't all that well artic- like articulated in the visuals. Um, the writing wasn't that great either. The characterization of the characters fell off. Uh, the artwork on Batman, especially at the end, like Bruce does not look like that. He doesn't smile like that. I just, I, no thank you. I was waiting for it to be over it was really long and i guess you're getting more bang for your buck because it's an annual and you're paying a little bit more but you know what you know what's better to get bang for your buck just don't buy this um it doesn't add anything annuals should be something fun and exciting or something big and i just feel like if you're going to bring back annuals you should make it feel important in some way to the characters that you're telling the story of the fact that at the end the three protagonists of this particular issue basically say we're never going to speak of this issue again is basically an f you to the reader and saying guess what we're not going to talk about this again which means you bought this for no reason fuck you and i apologize for the language because maybe they don't mean it that way but it's somehow how it comes off a little because it's it's not like this fun haha little story that they actually say that at the end feels very like very pointed and if I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, in this day and age when comic books going up and up in price, especially with annuals, yes, you're getting a little bit more story and you're getting more pages, but you're still paying more. So, and I know that, you know, not every comic book has to mean something or not every comic book has to be really important, but you also don't have to outright say it doesn't mean anything. It's never going to come up again. It's never going to be referenced again. You bought this issue for no reason. So I find that frustrating. Uh, at least push the story along in some way. That'd be nice. Uh, an issue that we'll get to later is Red Hood and the Outlaws. 
that definitely progresses the story that's been in the Red Hood and the Outlaws. I don't, I almost don't even know why it was an annual in some ways. Because, again, you're used to annuals being a certain thing, and this didn't quite fit into the box, but at least it fit into the box more than this particular annual, which just felt like a bit of a waste of time and of money. Um, and it wasn't that great a story, and from a writer who's better than this, and the art wasn't that great either. So... I, and very sketchy, and I guess I got the, they were going for kind of a Halloween feeling. You know what? If you're going to do that, at least save it for October. Like, don't don't release it in in the end of May. Like, I'm, re, I'm I'm you know talking about this on June 2nd, and it's taking place on Halloween. If you're in any way trying to at least make it kind of fun and creepy and weird, at least at least time the issue for the holiday that it's representing. It just it's like. Um, uh, when they, uh, Community, for those who watch Community, unfortunately season four wasn't that great, but hopefully season five will be better because Dan Harmon's coming back, which they just kind of confirmed today. Um, this year, they got pushed back. They were supposed to be in October originally, and then I think they premiered in February. Anyways, they had like Halloween and Christmas episodes, and it felt incredibly out of place. Now, they couldn't do anything about it because they got pushed down the schedule. Well, I'm pretty sure DC could make the decision to hold the annual to the, when the Halloween is actually happening. I'm just saying it feels very out of place. I gave it a 6 out of 10. I was originally thinking 7. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, next up is Earth 2 Annual Number 1. I liked this. There were some issues with it, but for the most part, it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm really sad that James Robinson is basically off off Earth 2 very soon. I forget what issue it is uh, after, but I'm really sad that he's going to be leaving the book. Uh, he is what has made this such a, a, a pleasure to read and enjoy. Um, and I'm going to miss him quite a lot uh, on the book. So this And they, they've been hyping up this issue for quite a while because we're bringing in the new Batman of Earth 2. Um, so it's written by James Robinson, artwork by Cafu, uh, and it's it's a quite a, a great book, and it's very fun and enjoyable, for sure. Sorry there, listeners. Apparently my cat wanted to be part of the uh, festivities. It's in quite... You're going to hear her meowing in the background, and yes, her name is Gwen. As Her actual full name is Gwen Stacy Chapman, so obviously I'm a big fan of Gwen Stacy. And my other cat is named uh, Peter Parker Chapman. So I have Parker and Gwen. Those are my cats, and uh, right now they're... Not they're being quite fussy, so I apologize. As you're going to probably hear them meowing in the background. Um, yes, yes, we know that you're on the episode now. Thank you for being part of it. Um, so this was a, a lot of fun. You got a nice uh, res- uh, kind of retrospective on on the Adam Al Pratt. Um, really kind of like seeing more of his history, uh, what he's kind of been up to, what he's been doing, how he's handled being kind of a wonder now. Um, which that part I thought was really cool. Uh, seeing this, uh, the new Batman make a, his appearance kind of crazy. Like, I, where did this guy even come from? How he seems to use weapons that the more typical Batman wouldn't be using, or at least it looks that way because he's got it looks like, um, like you know, shooting some, something, like, it looks like basically explosives, and it looks like he may have killed someone. It's, uh, I'm interested to see what he's doing there and what he's really going to be doing in this book um also liked seeing um uh what's it called uh big barda in here as well uh you get a little bit of batman from his perspective what he's been doing you get to see a little bit more of gotham as well uh this was an annual that felt again you're 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 making use of the extra pages to really give you a nice background on one of the main character one of the main characters of the book um you also have uh, leading up to the next issue, because you have the Fury basically attacking uh, Big Barda and Mr. Miracle in Gotham. You have the idea that Gotham is really messed up right now. 
This was just uh, a pleasure to read. Again, I'm very sad that James Robinson has announced his departure from Earth 2 because he's made it so enjoyable. I'll give this an 8 out of 10. Um, now, next up, we have Gambit number 13. Oh, boy. I have to say, uh, I enjoyed this issue much more than I thought I would. I remember looking at the cover, and it basically has um, the Iron Patriot armor on it, which I was wondering about that because we'd seen it recently in Secret Avengers. Uh, so I was interested to see how that would kind of play in. Um, obviously, the main storyline that we've kind of been following in this book had kind of come to an end with issue 12, although the uh, the fate of uh, Gambit's other kind of his mentor not really mentor, but like, well, I guess kind of mentor offense was kind of up in the air. So uh, this issue, we kind of see what happens with that. So it's basically that fence is heavily damaged, and it's up to Gambit to kind of get the bleeding edge tech required to help save his life. It's written by James Asmus. It's penciled by Amilcar Pina. Um, not a huge fan of some of the perspectives uh, that uh, Pina used because some of the artwork's not bad, but then you have certain shots of like uh, Gambit running along the rooftops and the way his face looks doesn't quite look right like it's just a little too thin uh some of the angles are off and sometimes it's almost like it's almost clay man but it's definitely not uh i do like seeing the kind of the iron man armor you have the iron patriot armor showing up but this time it's piloted by roadie which doesn't make a lot of sense because uh, he should be in the war machine armor but that's its own thing i guess um I, uh, it just feels very like, well, in Iron Man 3, he was wearing the, in the uh, Iron Patriot armor, so let's put him in that. And here they're saying it's this, you know, experimental armor. But no, it's pretty much just, you know, the same looking armor that uh, Norman Osborn uh, was wearing back in Dark Avengers. So, uh, but I do like seeing the Heroes Return uh, armor used again, because I've always been a big fan of the Kurt Busick and Sean Chen run, which is actually coming out in Omnibus later this year, which I'm really excited about, which covers... Uh, I believe Iron Man Volume 3, 1 to 25, and all the ancillary issues that came, came out at the same time. Uh, but that's a, its own thing, and I'm really excited about that thing. Um, the actual story wasn't bad. Some of the art, ta- in terms of showing the, the fight between Gambit and War Machine, or sorry, Iron Patriot, wasn't bad either. But again, there's some weird perspective shots, and the faces aren't really all that consistent. Uh, there's a lot of shots with the Iron Man faceplate being up when uh, Gambit's in the armor, but it, it's just didn't even look like Gambit half the time and so it just that's what kind of made it not as solid a read um the story was pretty strong I just found the art was not really up to the task so I gave it more of a 7 out of 10 overall as a result uh next up is Indestructible Hulk number 8 um still frustrated with this book because it was so good when Lionel Francis Hugh was on it's still fun it's still its own thing um I'm still giving it a 7 uh part of it I think that the artwork wasn't quite up to the task i'm a i'm a huge fan of walt simonson back in the day uh his run on thor is legendary i like that he got to kind of do this classic version of thor in this book uh mark wade really knows how to write these characters um i just felt at times the overblown style of artwork that simonson kind of uh excels at didn't always fit the issue i mean there's some big action and action and adventure parts in this here where the frost giants attack and it's up to you know thor and hulk to fight them off that part's kind of exciting and and it feels appropriate to have them as to have simonson as the artist but then there's a lot of quieter moments which don't quite work and he doesn't do a good job on uh, illustrating banner like banner should look scrawny he should look well at least not like he's wearing big armor and i guess it's it just felt very off um 
I don't know. So part of it was really good. Like there's part of it here. I'm um, just looking at it. There's a, a shot, classic Simonson, where you have the young Thor, you know, saying uh, there's all sorts of energy going around him, and like he's in like his own energy globe, and he's raising up his hammer and just saying, you know, for for Midgard, and it's classic, classic Simonson stuff. Like this is what Thor looked like all throughout his run. You have the giant uh, like scrap boom or scrapoom. Um, narration or like you know kind of showing the uh, the sounds that are going on during this adventure and this this battle so that part's really exciting it's just some of the quieter moments didn't quite work uh, I still gave it a 7 out of 10 though it's still an enjoyable read uh, I am interested to well it'll be off podcast but I'm always excited to hear my resident there's, I guess I have two resident Hulk fans who listen to the uh, to the show there's I guess I think it's Hulk 13 I apologize if I'm getting the number wrong uh, and there's Overdrive. Overdrive, of course, is my frequent guest on the Hero Cooks episodes, Tom Kerr. Uh, I'm excited to hear what he has to say about being Indestructible Hulk, because obviously he's one of the biggest Hulk fans I know, and I'm, I want to talk to him more about how he feels about the book. Um, and actually, for those keeping track, he should, should hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, be on episode 86, which will be our next Talking Hero Clicks episode. And that will be going up on um, June 12th. We'll probably be recording at June 10th. Uh, so that's uh, a look at what's up ahead. Uh, next up is Justice League of America number four. Um, I enjoyed this. I found it was a little inconsistent, but generally it was still fun read. You have a lot going on. Uh, it's written by Jeff Johns, artwork by Brett Booth. I don't know where David Finch went. Brett Booth is not my favorite artist. He's con- He's been on Nightwing recently, and I have not enjoyed that book as much because he's been on it. Not that he's a bad artist, and he's a lot better now than he used to be. I just there's something on the way he does the faces reminds me a lot of how Peterson, Ben Peterson, used to do faces. But uh, Brett Booth does them in very long faces, kind of reminiscent at times of Ron Lim. Um, and it just it's not quite what I was hoping for in this book. When he's on Nightwing, I find it more distracting because Eddie Barrows uh, was it Eddie Barrows. I believe it was Eddie Barrows who was on it. It's just such a great artistic style, and this isn't quite it. Uh, anyways, I liked here that you have Catwoman infiltrating the uh, Secret Society of Supervillains. Uh, you have the Justice League of America trying to infiltrate and uh, track her down and, and, and rescue her and uh, put the, the beat on um, the Secret Society. The last page is obviously the big shocker uh, where it looks like Catwoman has been shot in the head. There's blood. It looks like she's dead. Obviously, she's most likely not since she has an ongoing book, of which there is an annual this week that I did not read. Um, so it's, it's, it's still a good book. I like the, it does feel like there's a lot going on. I like, I think there's a, uh, more direction here than maybe the first arc of Justice League had. I mean, obviously that had like a big villain, so it was easier to kind of say, well, this is the direction it's going. But I actually like, this one feels like there's more pieces and it's more, more something really going on as opposed to, hey, Hero A is, uh, you know, is, is, is tracking down a guy from Apocalypse. Hero 2 confronts him. Oh, now there's Hero 3. Guess what? Now we have Hero 4 and 5. Like, that's what the first arc of Justice League felt like, where this feels like, you know, there's something out there. There's the secret society. We're putting this team together. There's not, not everyone realizes what's going on. Marsha Mander knows, what, you know, what kind of the deal is. No one else really knows. Vibe is this, you know, the kind of the new kid on the block who's just happy to be a superhero. You have Stargirl. We don't really know totally what to think of her yet. And she's kind of breaking the rules already. Like, I'm excited to see where these character pieces go. Um... Yeah, and I, I don't know what to make of that big kind of cliffhanger because obviously she's not dead, so I don't know if it really needed to be there because 
We all know Catwoman's not going to die, but we'll see. I give it an 8 out of 10. It was still a solid read, despite Brett Booth's artwork. Um, Brett Booth's artwork did not make the rating go up, I can tell you that. I, it was not his worst work. It was actually pretty good for Brett Booth, but it was still very Brett Booth. If that may, I, I think I've already explained what that means to me. Um, next up is Morbius the Living Vampire, number 5. Uh... I don't care. I don't care. We had the big reveal last issue that the Rose is behind things. And then here we find out, well, actually, it's Morbius' dad who's behind things. I just... This issue felt at least a little bit better because you had uh, Morbius kind of helping to rally people together and uh, take back this the Brownsville. I just don't care. Uh, Joe Keating wrote it. It's artwork by Richard Olson with Carlos Rodriguez. Uh, the artwork was a little bit more solid here. But again, I just don't... This isn't how I want to see Morbius used. I don't care for this version of the Rose. He just doesn't feel like the Rose I know and love. Uh, I don't really care for him working for Morbius' dad. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I, this book cannot last long. I think it's already been cancelled. I, I may be wrong because there was recently a bunch of books that were cancelled. But if it hasn't already been cancelled, it, it will be and it should be. Because I just don't think it has any real place in Marvel now. I just... I feel like in order for a book to really survive these days, first of all, if you don't have a major franchise where it's easy to be like, well, this is the new Avengers book, so you got to read this, then you have to have a singular vision or something about it that makes me think, okay, there's there's a reason why i got to read this book. This book is telling a certain type of story or it's something that I can't get elsewhere. I just, nothing about this is really memorable. Nothing about this really sticks in my mind. It makes me think about it. And uh, when I'm, you know, hanging out with other people who read comics, I'm never like, man, you know what you should read? You should read Morbius the Living Vampire. That is a book. That is a good book. Like that, uh, the only part of that statement I would say is, that is a book. It is a book. It's not good. It's just, uh, I'm not, it's not, it's not even bad. It's just so, it makes me so indifferent because it's not, it's uninteresting. Um, it's almost worse. I'd almost rather it make me furious and angry and as such a shitty book because at least then it would promote some kind of real emotional response. Right now my emotional response is just because I, it makes me so indifferent and I'm almost mad that I'm indifferent because why bother with the title? I, I just feel like there's so many different ways you could take Morbius the Living Vampire and they're not in any way doing that with the character. Especially after inter- the interesting 699.1 issue which was baby, basically Morbius Zero. It made me excited for what maybe we could see. What I thought there'd be more science involved, or more, I don't know, something. Search for a cure for himself. Instead, he seems fine. He doesn't seem to be really needing a cure at all. And now he's just getting involved in, like, weird scrapes and, you know, and kind of this gangland stuff going on in Brownsville, of which no one cares about this locale. Anyways, that's, uh, I'm downgrading it. I was going to give it a six and a half. It's a six at best. I'm um, being charitable. Uh, next up is New Avengers number six. Absolutely adoring this book. It continues to be fantastic. I'm giving it a nine out of ten, right out of the right, like right from the start. Uh, Jonathan Hickman wrote it. Artwork by Steve Epting, who continues to do a fantastic job. Um, this is just so much fun to read. Every issue, I like having this these this team together. Uh, here we have another incursion event, but instead of it being red, it's actually blue, and it's occurring in Latveria. Um, I love when Hickman plays with Kristoff and with Doom. Um, you hear you have the idea that, like, first, you know, they see Kristoff fighting off the incursion, but then Doom's there as well. It's the idea that if Doom sees what's going on, that this is going to open up its own gaggle of apples. 
Um, they use this device. They basically they, they 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 stop the incursion. But the idea of what 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 will this do to you uh, as people? And Black Panther is the first one who is one of the first ones to really kind of come to these realizations and accept it. Um, just immensely entertaining, and I'm excited to see where the epilogue will eventually lead. Um, anyways, this was really good. A fantastic read. Uh, I don't want to say too much about it because I want you to read it. Um, it's a really good book. Uh, next up is Red Hood and the Outlaws, annual number one. Not a bad read. Um, we're kind of fleshing out the history of what happened with uh, Green Arrow and uh, Arsenal back in the day. So I'm really happy to see some sort of like, this is what the new continuity history between them is. Uh, James Tinian IV wrote it, and it's uh, artwork by Al Barrionuevo. Um not the greatest artwork, but it does kind of feel like it reminds me of a little bit, and I'm probably going to get slammed for this because I didn't read a lot of the first year of Red Hood and the Outlaws, but at some of the pages remind me a lot of Kenneth Rockefort's work on Red Hood and the Outlaws. Um, but really, this is a story about Arsenal and Green Arrow and their troubled relationship between, and kind of them trying to figure things out between them. You also have Cheshire showing up uh, to attack the team. Uh, you have the ongoing struggle of what's going on with uh, Jason Todd because Jason Todd doesn't really know who he is anymore and he's been told that he's a good person and but he has no reason to believe that because everything looks like he's like you know he's murdered people and if he's such a good person how could would he have committed all these all these deaths or all these murders um, I really dug this I mean the artwork probably brought it down a little but I gave it a seven out of ten and I think it is worth reading and it does kind of set up what we're going next in Red Hood and the Outlaws. Let's move right along. Sorry for the... Ba- There's a lot of background noise today. A lot of that's coming from my cats, so I apologize as they're going ape shit today. I don't know what... Uh, something about June 2nd just makes them go crazy. So that was 7 out of 10 for Red Hood and the Outlaws. Next up is Savage Wolverine number 5. I was kind of enjoying this book up until this point. I gave this a 5 out of 10. The artwork remains, you know, what it is. I mean, it's Frank Show artwork. That's always fun. Um... I found the story to be a lot less interesting because it just kind of ends. Uh, you have, like, you know, Hulk and a, and a giant monkey or gorilla, and the gorilla's trying to, like, eat Hulk's face or his head. You have um, Wolverine, like, you know, trying to stick his claws into Hulk's face. I mean, if you want a big Hulk fight, I mean, that part was interesting. But then when the creature kind of takes off and goes into space, it becomes a lot less interesting and then it just kind of feels like it ends. Like it goes into this weird space thing and you, you waste a few pages and then it's over. Um, and it almost feels like Galactic, Galactus-esque. I just don't know what the point of the story was. I was enjoying the Savage Land stuff, but I feel like there's no real resolution to that. And now it's over and we'll have Zeb Wells. I believe it's Zeb Wells and uh, Joe Maduera coming on the book. So, I mean, that'll be interesting, but... What the fuck? Like I've been reading this issue, the you know four issues of the series. It's been cheesecake fun, uh, and then you get to this, and the last few pages have nothing to do with anything. You have this the creature that there basically has been inhibiting people, or that has been in the Savage Land taking off. What the fuck happened? Where what happens now? Like, there's, but there's no resolution. There's no resolution of how everything goes home. Uh, what happened to the shield stuff? Like it just felt like. Things were happening in the first two issues that were very clear, and it got murkier with issues three and four. And by issue five, Frank Cho decided, you know what? I ran out of time. I'm leaving the book. Um, I gotta go. And that's how the issue feels like. Like, it just kind of ends. Thanks a lot. I mean, like, 
What's the point of this book? Everything they set up, all the little things, there's no resolution because this the creature takes off, goes to space, and basically is acting like a, a type of silver surfer for a monster type of you know alien entity that basically is like Galactus. Who the fuck cares? We have a Galactus. We have a silver surfer. What was the point of this? The first four issues were kind of pointless but mindless fun, but at least it tried to have a little bit of a story, a little bit of a semblance of something happening. And then we get to this, and it's just like, well, thanks for coming. Thanks for playing for nothing. Uh, I gave it a 5 out of 10. Uh, next up is Uncanny X-Force number 5. Oh, good. Another issue that really didn't make a lot of sense and didn't need to be read. Um, not a fan of this at all. Uh, Sam Humphreys... I'm not enjoying this at all. It's not what I want to see from, um, uh, what's it called, uh, from any version of X-Force ever. Uh, the artwork is by um, an artist I used to like, uh, Alfona, I believe previously from Runaways. Um, I I just, you know, I think Dexter Soy on what colors, I don't, it just, just was so uninteresting. The artwork was just not good. I hated the depiction of Bishop, um, and the weird mindscape stuff, and it was just, it was just, it was trying to be really smart and cute and weird, and also at the same time trying to kind of fix Bishop so that maybe they can use him in the present, um, they're trying to explain some of his actions and show that he's somehow felt bad about it, but I just, I found I did not care, I didn't care about this entity that kind of messes with him and takes over his mind, the great white owl and all this other shit, um, Sorry, I'm swearing more than I usually do in these episodes. I just, I didn't care for this. I didn't enjoy it. The only part I liked was uh, Puck and Spiral, and uh, that was the only thing I, I think was actually interesting. Other than that, did not care for this at all. Uh, I'm ready for this storyline to be over. I'm ready for this book to be over. I don't know. I just don't... Get away from Bishop. Bishop is toxic. Bishop has not been an interesting character since, since after Messiah Complex. Because the Messiah Complex, he was still interesting because you're like, holy shit, he, he flipped his lid. But he wasn't an out-and-out villain yet. He just had turned because of something in particular, and I was okay with that. But now, I don't even know what the fuck they're doing anymore. Anyways, again, I, I apologize. I am swearing a lot more than normal today. I gave it a 5 out of 10, and I'm being a little charitable. I hated the artwork. It was awful. Um, then we bring up Venom number 35. Man, we're not. this is not a good streak of books. I gave this a 6.5. Again, I was being nice. Um, I hate the depiction of Toxin. I think it's horrible. Like, it, I guess they're trying to kind of give it a different look. I feel like the only person who should ever illustrate Toxin is Clayton Crane or one of those types of people. It just looks stupid. Um, I'm not a big fan of where the art on this book has been going, Shalvi. Not my favorite. I don't mind him with the way he depicts the Venom suit, but when he depicts uh, Toxin, I really hate it. But I do like his take on Eddie uh, on Eddie Brock and on um, Flash Thompson, and it's kind of got this sketchier quality, but I kind of like it. But then when you bring out the symbiotes or you bring out the weirdness, I find it's it's not it's I, it's a little grotesque, but just not in any way uh, pleasing. It's not fun to look at. These weird kind of weird cyborgish creatures that show up and they're all monstrous. I just had no no I didn't enjoy it at all. It was interesting having the idea that you have uh, Venom and Carnage kind of teaming up, sorry, Venom and Toxin teaming up to kind of take on the greater evil, um, and the idea that Toxin's basically saying, you know, okay, live your life, uh, Flash, but if you screw up, I'll be there and I'll kill you. That's kind of interesting, but um, I don't know. It wasn't the greatest read, and I was kind of excited for it to be over when it was done. Six and a half out of ten for that. It brings us to Wolverine and the X-Men 30. Really liked the last issue, the, the future tale. 
this issue not nearly as much, although it had more potential, I have to say. Um, usually when Wolverine and X-Men is down, it's way down. Uh, this was a little bit more interesting than I maybe expected in some ways. The art I wasn't a huge fan of, though, so it wasn't a perfect issue by any means. Uh, Jason Aaron did feel like he was... He wasn't quite totally on his game, but it was a little bit more interesting. Uh, this is the basically the prelude to the uh, new Hellfire saga. Uh, you have artwork by Pascual Ferry with uh, Pepe Loraz and Salva Espin. Salva Espin, I kind of liked his artwork on... Uh, uh, what was it called? Uh, the Exiles relaunch that happened a few years ago. But I'm not a big fan of Pascual Ferry. I didn't see anything that really made me want to change my mind here. The weird... Ta- I don't know what's up with this weird take on Wolverine's costume recently with... Uh, you seeing like his eye it used to just be what, white, and now you're seeing like little pupils through. I don't really like. I don't know. Just the fairy's artwork didn't quite work for me here. The story was actually a lot better than the art. Um, I like that they're bringing back the the crazy uh, kind of uh, scientist who was looking at Brew the first time, and the idea that he's kind of saying like there's nothing wrong with him. He's back to being a regular brood. I like that we see basically who was the traitor in the Hellfire Club or. In the uh, Jean Grey school to the Hellfire Club, basically selling them out. I like that it was uh, Toad. I still don't understand what's going on with Husk, but I'm hoping they develop that. I really like seeing what's going on with Kid Omega, although can no one figure out when something isn't what it seems? Like, they always jump to conclusions. Um, But generally, it was well-written. Just the artwork did not in any way appeal to me. I would almost say it's like a 5 for art and 8 for story. So overall, it's a 6.5, but wasn't nearly as bad as some of the other issues that Jason Aaron has written. Um, and it had its own vibe to it, for sure. And the last book is uh, X-Men... I guess this is volume four now. <laughs> X-Men number one. This is a highly touted release. This was pushed back a little. It's by uh, Brian Wood, who is really good at characterization, and he's writing uh, for Olivier Coipel. You have the basically the female X-Squad, because you've got... The return of Jubilee to the fold, and she looks non-vampire, so I guess I missed something when she became a human again, but I'm glad she is human again. You have Storm, Rogue, Marvel Girl, uh, Shadowcat, and Psylocke. That's a pretty powerhouse team in and of itself. Um, the artwork by Coipel is brilliant. Uh, I like his take on these characters. Um, even the shots where they're just kind of standing with each other, they all look very distinct. They have their own ways of... Uh, their own distinct posture, the way he makes the costumes look, the the faces. Like I just really liked the way it looked. Um, there's some great action here as well. You have the return of John Sublime, which is interesting. Not a, a character I'm particularly fond of, but I like how they used him here and this new threat. And you have this baby that Jubilee's taking care of. Uh, I like the they're kind of seeing Jubilee in a different way. Uh, you have the return, not the return, but it looks like the reactivation of the Omega Sentinel. I don't even. To be honest, I'm like, I guess I'm just remiss. I don't know when Karima was basically put on ice or put in a in a box, but she's back, thanks to Sublime Sister. Um, I really dug this. This was a great launch. Uh, really fun. It had Rogue felt more like Rogue. More like Rogue from the animated series. Like Obviously, her powers aren't still quite the same as they were then, but she felt more like that. Jubilee wearing more of her classic kind of attire. I liked how the women were interacting. Um, it wasn't overly catty like it sometimes is in some of the other books. Uh, it didn't. I liked how Psylocke and them were basically how they were written here more than they were originally personified at the beginning of Uncanny X Force. Although I kind of dug that as well. Um, this was fun. I really enjoyed this. I was excited to see what Brian Brian Wood is an interesting writer because a lot of people like him, but he's never really been on something that's 
you know, kind of a marquee book or something that's like, quote unquote like a, you know a, a big franchise book. I mean, he's done a he's been on X Men, but that X Men book after its first arc, it, it you kind of arrive at the splash because of the vampire stuff, and then it was just kind of another X Men book called X Men. Whereas this feels like not only is he trying to differentiate because now he's got a very particular team. It's the all female team, so it's easy to if you're thinking of you know oh which X Men team is this? It's the one with all the women on it. Okay. For lack of a better way of describing it or singling it out, all right, well that's one way of doing it. And the artwork by Olivier Coppel, he's a you know an A-list artist. He's I don't remember if he was one of the Young Guns, but I think he was once upon a time when they still did that. So um, you have a, a, an A-list artist, a guy who deserves to be an A-list writer. You have a, a really cool kind of squad of X-Men all working together. This should be great, and thankfully the first issue was. So I really dug this. Uh, the ones I didn't get to are a relatively small list. There's uh, Iron Man 258.4, Fury Max 12, Dark Avengers 190, Catwoman Annual number 1, Captain America number 7, and Adventures of Superman number 1. Now, obviously, Adventures of Superman's already been in digital. Um, I just don't buy it in digital, so I was going to get it in print. Didn't get a chance to, but hopefully at some point I'll get to uh, get my hands on it and read it. So, thank you for joining me for, uh, this has been, what, episode 83 of the Comic Reviews of May 29th episode. Um, we have a lot of good stuff coming up soon. I just want to go through that quickly. Uh, we have episode 84, which will be on June 5th, will be our next Book of the Month Club episode, where I'll be sitting down with, I believe, I, as I do this, I'm actually about to sit down with them in about an hour and record, so I'm hoping it'll be Nathan Strzok, Amber Strzok, and Paul Scores and myself, and we should be looking at um, Red She-Hulk Volume One. I think there's gonna that's gonna be a tough one for me because I really liked it, and I'm pretty sure the other two people, sorry, the other three are not gonna have enjoyed it. Um, Aquaman Volume One: The Trench, which recently came out in soft cover, and we're also gonna be talking about Saga Volume One. Um, that's not necessarily new because Volume Two of that's coming out in trade in about two months, but or a month and a half. But uh, that should be uh, interesting to see what the different viewpoints are on that as well. So that'll be the Book of the Month Club episode for uh, episode 84. Uh, episode 86, as I mentioned earlier, will be on the, I guess, the 12th of, of June, and that will be our episode when we look at um, a talk, the next Talking Heroclix episode, which should be fun. Hopefully it'll be myself, Nathan Strzok, Tom Kerr, and whoever else we can get into the studio. I'm hoping that includes Leonor Alana, and by studio, I mean my living room. Um, then after that, we've, we're going to have episode 88, which will be... Um, our Spotlight on the Man of Steel episode, which will be on uh, the 19th of, uh, of June, which will hopefully be myself, Amber Strzok, or actually maybe not Amber Strzok, uh, but definitely, uh, hopefully, hopefully my wife Kelly Chapman and uh, Nathan Strzok. And then after that, which I guess will be episode 90, will be our Spotlight on Monsters, Inc., which will be myself and my wife. That will be on the 26th of, uh, of June. And then after that, we're not really sure what uh, what the future holds um, for July. All I know for sure is that we're going to have episodes looking at uh, the Wolverine movie. That'll be episode 98, uh, leading up to the big episode 100. And then we have a bunch of stuff in the middle. We're going to be having an episode at some point coming up where we talk about um, you know the Superman origins of the last few years that we've seen. Um, and in, in particular, we'll be kind of chronicling the differences and the highlights between uh, Superman Man of Steel by John Byrne, uh, Superman's Secret Origin by Jeff Johns and uh, um, Gary Frank, uh, Superman Birthright by Mark Wade and Lana Francis Yu, and uh, Action Comics Volume 1, um, 
which will be the uh, the more recent Grant Morrison, the 52. So a bit of a, a look at the different ways that the Superman's origin has kind of been done. And I think also including uh, uh, Superman for All Seasons by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. So that should be an interesting episode. That will be in July. Also in July will be the Green Lantern episode, or at least the beginning of the Green Lantern series of episodes with myself and Paul Scorez. So it will be a packed summer for episodes leading up to episode 100. Uh, after episode 100, I think I mentioned this before, but it will be likely that I'll be going from eight episodes a month to four. Um, I'll probably be doing two review episodes a month where each review episode will actually, like, I'll, act, I'll probably record them in real time, but I'll end up putting them all out as kind of a, uh, a compilation. So you would download an episode, it'd be like two hours, but one hour I would talk about one week's comics and the next hour I'd talk about the next. Um, just because I have, as I've mentioned before, I have a baby on the way that's happening in August. Um, I just can't, I'm not going to be able to keep up the the pace that I've been keeping up till now. It's going to be more difficult to uh, schedule when we have episodes. So it'll be harder for me to have time to sit down and read all the comics as well. So it'll probably be moving to a four episodes a month. Two of them will be reviews. Two of them will be kind of the special content whenever we can get them. Uh, Nathan Strzok will actually, is actually moving out of Toronto. And I may have just ruined that surprise for those who don't already know that, who actually know Nate. Um, so that'll be harder to get him into the studio, or we'll have to Skype with him as well, and that'll be an experiment in and of itself. So, anyways, I've meandered for a few minutes. Thank you for listening to me, though. Uh, you can send me emails or any uh, questions, concerns you might have about the. Uh, I'm such a banker. Uh, every day on my voicemail, I say, you know, if you have any questions or concerns, just let me know. So I'm. I'm so programmed to say that, but I'm always open to feedback. If you want to send me an email directly, you can do so at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Obviously, you can look at the episodes and look at the archive for our episodes on uh, comicshenanigans.podbean.com. Um, if you want to like us on Facebook, please do. Also, if you want to post on the HC Realms threads, I'm always uh, I love getting I, I love getting that email notification because I always although and I don't know if anyone else has ever noticed this but there's obviously a lot of spammers in HC Realms so a lot of times I'll get those emails and I'll be like oh man I got a fan mail I'm so excited and I'll open it up and it'll just be like a bunch of random text in different language and it's obviously a spammer and then by the time I check it like it's gone like it's been deleted but I'm just like oh man they got me again like I feel like I've been rickrolled basically like I, I what not that I'm asking anyone to do this but it, it's basically the equivalent of being like oh someone gave you fan mail and then I get a Rick Astley video like that's basically what it feels like anyways uh thank you for joining me for this episode i really appreciate it and uh again look forward to episode 84 that'll be coming out in three days first and one last thing parting note finally this episode is on time it's going up on sunday june 2nd it is not late i know no one cares but for me this is a minor victory anyways thanks again for listening and we will catch you next time bye-bye